You choose naming what matters to you and then making choices to support that and being confident in that and then allowing other people, particularly other women and other moms, to do the same in their own lives without it being a referendum on your own choices. We don't have to use other people's choices as a gauge of our own. You get to make your own choices. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan. And mamas, today on the show, we're talking to the incredible Kendra Adachi from The Lazy Genius. She published her first book this year, a New York Times bestseller called The Lazy Genius Way. And it is so perfect for moms and especially for 2020. Go buy it, get it from your library, borrow it from a friend, but make sure you read it. It's so good. Kendra is a systems expert and professional permission giver who helps others stop doing it all for the sake of doing what matters. Mamas, you know how sometimes you meet someone and you're like instant friends? That's how I felt talking to Kendra for this episode. She's an absolute joy and you're gonna learn so much from her. As always, stick around until the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from this conversation with Kendra. Or you can head over to the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Kendra to download your free family money values template and see what those main takeaways are. Are you ready, mamas? Let's get started. Kendra, welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show. I'm so glad to be here, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you. I've been following The Lazy Genius for quite a while, and I just read your new book, which was fantastic. How was launching a book in 2020? Oh, golly day. Different than I expected, but I sort of wanted to write a book that felt like you could apply it to any situation in life, that you could lazy genius anything, not knowing that a pandemic was coming. But good golly, if you cannot kind of lazy genius a pandemic. So it's sort of like the book was put to the fire right away. And it seems like it really met people at a an opportune time. So I'm glad about that. That's fantastic. So for those people out there who aren't familiar with the lazy genius, explain to me what lazy geniusing something is. Yes. To be a lazy genius, we want to be a genius about the things that matter and then lazy about the things that don't. The difference is what matters to you and I, what matters to every single person listening, it's all different to everyone. But we try to apply other people's systems and plans to our own lives when we have different priorities. So it's all about naming what matters and then figuring out specific ways to approach what matters and then let go of what doesn't. So let's talk about naming what matters, because I feel like this is a really hard step. You know, you have those outside perspectives, which are hard to silence, and everything feels important, especially as a mom in a pandemic, especially working moms. Like, how do we start to name what matters? Yeah. Even as you say that question, I'm like, man, that's really hard because it does feel like everything matters, especially when you are a mom. And if you either you have the job that is supporting the home or you are the adult that is in the home or you are single parent and you're doing both. Single parents, I wish that I could celebrate you in the way that I feel like is necessary because it feels like such an impossibility to do all of that. But when other people are in the picture, when you're trying to (laughs) like take care of your own self, the whole like put on your own oxygen mask first analogy feels really selfish sometimes. And even when you think about putting your mask on, you're like, wait, what does my mask look like? I can't find my mask. So the place that I like to encourage people to start with naming what matters is to start small, which is one of the principles in the book, The Lazy Genius Way, is 13 principles that you can apply to any situation and any combination. We tend to build things too big too fast We think that if we don't know everything that matters to us, then we might as well not name any of it. And that's not true. It's not sustainable. So I think starting small is absolutely where it begins. Like you can name one thing that matters about maybe a specific area of your life that either brings you joy or has a lot of pain points in it. I talk about cooking and meal planning and feeding your people a lot because We have to do that all the time. They demand it 15 times a day. They demand it. And now we're all home together. So it's like a whole new thing. So I will use that as an example. You could actually name what matters to me about dinner. 
what matters to me about breakfast or lunch, what matters to me about how everyone else is involved in the process, what matters to me about where we buy our food, how much we spend on it, the variety of foods, like what matters in those specific areas and just start with one. And I think that it's a muscle that we develop of paying attention and naming those things that matter to us. And then it's the practice of letting the rest of it go. And so much of this ties to how we deal with money too, right? We talk all the time about spend extravagantly on the things that matter to you and cut yeah. everything else. For me, I'm currently wearing a shirt that says, I work to support my reading addiction. I will not <laughs> stop buying books. Like it is just not no. a thing that's going to happen in my life, but I can cut a whole bunch of other things. And so I'm curious, yeah. what is something you're lazy about in your life? And what is something that you're a genius about? It's funny because even the definition sometimes of what we think lazy and genius might be could be a little bit confusing. Mm. Because like for me, I am lazy currently about cleaning my own house. <laughs> so I hire someone else who is a genius at it to do it for me every couple of weeks. But what's interesting about that is I then have to be a genius about my budget, mm. because that is money that I don't have to spend. I am choosing to spend. Even then, sometimes it's not always that genius means you do it or genius means that it's really hard, or that lazy means that you just don't even think about it anymore. It's all about assets, right? Yeah. It's energy, it's money, it's time. Where are we spending our assets? And there's always an exchange, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't want to spend my time cleaning my house after my family that's here all the time, and they're so gross. <laughs> I love them with my whole heart. But I don't want to spend my time doing that. I would rather be reading, Chelsea, I would do the same. I'm like, give me a book. Someone else vacuumed my carpet. I'm so happy about that. But then the exchange is, well, I have to pay someone else to do that. Or an exchange is, we're going to live in a house that is dirtier than most, and we're going to be okay mm -hmm. with that. Or whatever it is. It's always about exchanges. So I'm also a genius about books. What do you like to read, Kendra? Oh, my gosh. So I have learned a lot about my reading style in 2020. <laughs> I guess we read for all different reasons. But I personally read 80% for fun, 20% to learn. Mm -hmm. If it's too skewed to learning, I don't read at all. I just kind of lose momentum. Mm -hmm. And momentum is key for me in reading. And so I always want to keep the momentum going. So I always sort of say, like, I'll be reading something that's teaching me and really educational and maybe really heavy and socially conscious and civic duty and all these different things. And then on the other side, I'm like, I need like a girl who is fighting the patriarchy. Maybe she has one leg. She falls in love with a dude who's in the patriarchy. If there's a circus or spaceships, I'm like even more in. That's like my sweet spot, like dark fairy tales. Like I don't want it to resemble my life in any way, shape or form. And I love a romance across a patriarchy. It's like <laughs> my favorite thing. Okay, so fantasy, strong female heroine is like my sweet spot. That's just like... We need to just we like need to after books this. after this podcast. We're not going to distract we really all you do. guys. <laughs> We're going to do a whole thing. Oh my goodness. Okay, so but I want to go back for a second because so much of your story, especially early on in the book, resonated with me. This was a process you developed of naming mm -hmm. what's important and, and the lazy genius method and not necessarily something you had from childhood. So tell me about... What did your early process of dealing with things look like? Well, I would say for most of my life, I thought I needed to be a genius about everything. And I would often not try things I wasn't good at mm -hmm. because it was like, well, if I can't be the best, this is a waste of time, mm. and which is super healthy. <laughs> no, it's not. So when you're trying intersects with something in your life that is transitional in some way, difficult in some way, like having a child. Mm -hmm. like having two children under the age of two, like having a surprise baby six years later. When those kinds of things happen, you are sort of left a little unmoored and your ways and systems and even thought processes that used to sort of sustain you, mm -hmm. there's no margin for those to be sustainable anymore. They don't work. Like they barely worked before. That's why we're so tired because we're maintaining a system that's not serving us very well. And so it was a process. I mean, we can learn things without having children. Yeah. I do think that for me and the way that I am personally wired, which I love routine, I am a linear thinker. I'm very type A. I'm like, let's get this right. Let's do this the best that it can be. Like you want me to plan and run your event very much. <laughs> you really would like that to be the case. But like, I've never been 
historically very good at, say, sitting with someone in pain Mm. because I want to fix it. It's been this process in terms of being a parent, like how much of parenting is sitting with a human who is just like in some version of pain or distress or needing you. And I'm like, but you don't, you are on my checklist today. I don't know how to figure out what this cry means because you're not speaking words yet. You know, like it was very unsettling. I don't know how to fix your broken banana. I don't. That you <laughs> asked me to, <laughs> to break in the first place. I've experienced that so many times. The other day I was talking to my sister and she has a two-year-old boy and he was saying out loud under great duress, mommy, the Thomas with the pirates. And she's like, baby, there's no pirate Thomas. I can't help you. Like it was just, it's so hard to know what to do. And I think day after day, hour by hour, hitting that wall of, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Took me to a place gradually that it was almost like my sort of brokenness and learning my own limits and lies, really, like a lot of the prohibitive thinking that I had. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really that I was hitting a wall. It's that I was shaping a new space. Like we were just sort of chipping away the things that didn't matter. I like that analogy better. That's better. So I'm chipping away over time and then started to realize that, like I said before, I can't sustain caring about everything. I can't. Mm -hmm. So let's try caring about some things and see what happens <laughs> and mm-hmm. just being willing to let the other things go. And I think that really started to turn when I had my daughter, when I had my third kid. Because I think once you have three kids, it's like those diaper commercials where the first kid is like lovingly being wrapped in like the most expensive diaper. And at the end, you're like, go find your banana. I don't care. <laughs> like you're like yelling through the house or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was all of that. But I'm so grateful for the opportunity now to sort of invite other moms Mm. into the conversation around like, you don't have to care about everything. You can't, you honestly can't. So let's figure out how to help you name what actually does matter to you. And it's so interesting when you have that perfectionist background. And we also share a little bit of a background of problematic father figures. Mm. (laughs) But for me, I thought I could control everything into like how people would see me and whatever. I actually had like a habit tracker taped to my wall, like in my bedroom. Girl, me too. Like if I do all these things, it'll be fine. Yep. And then you have kids and they're like, yeah, we don't care about that. <laughs> we don't like, care we're about your trackers. <laughs> <laughs> like we are just not allowing that to happen. But what I'd love to hear you talk about is this idea that to be real, we have to not care about anything. Mm. That like flip side of you're caring too much. And I think we see that in social media all the time. Totally. Is now as soon as someone has it together or they care about something, they're putting on airs. Yes. What are your thoughts? Uh, so many of them. <laughs> this is something <laughs> this is something I didn't realize until I started to really write the book. This was like an underlying message that I didn't know that I was so passionate about and needed to be said. And that is, yes, that we think that someone who has it, quote unquote, together, and that can look a number of ways, but generally it looks different than than us. Yeah. Because we have different things that matter to us. So if someone else is prioritizing something else, and we don't have the language of permission that that's okay, mm-hmm. then we are seeing that person as, well, they're trying too hard. Or I would never spend, I can't believe they're spending so much time getting their hair ready just to go to Target. Or we just get really deeply snarky out of our own insecurity that we have chosen the wrong things to care about. So it's such a horrible cycle of separation and disconnection from people that we love, from strangers, from ourselves, because we have equated and conflated togetherness, quote unquote, lipstick, children who eat kale, (laughs) like whatever it is, we have conflated those things with that person is actually fake. That person is hiding. Mm. I think I put this in the book, actually. I remember walking through Target, as we do, and seeing a woman who was, by my definition, incredibly physically beautiful. Her children were in clothes that she did not buy at Target. They were from a much more expensive store than Target. And they matched probably. They matched. They were well-behaved. They were eating like cucumber slices instead of goldfish crumbs like my kid was. (laughs) And I did not look like that Mm -hmm. at all that day. Oh, and she had a bunch of stuff from Joanna Gaines's line in her cart. 
mm-hmm. you know that stuff is never on sale. No. And it is pretty expensive in the scheme of things. Yeah. And it's also stuff that I want, but I didn't have the money to buy. And I remember looking at her and thinking, well, she probably like has like credit card debt and maybe like an eating disorder or something because she can't possibly, like, it was so dark, Chelsea. It was so dark. And I caught myself and I was like, what is this? That is a human being. Mm-hmm. Like there is a person there with humanity. And for me to assume that just because she looks a certain way and acts a certain way and buys a certain thing that she has prioritized today different things than I prioritize today, that somehow she is an other and she is pretending and I'm the real vulnerable one. Mm-hmm. Like it's absolute garbage. You should be able to wear lipstick and have clean hair and be a vulnerable human. You should also be able to not take a shower for four days and have a clean house at the same time. Like we just have sort of created these silos of togetherness and vulnerability and authenticity. That word is all over the place right now. She's not authentic because she doesn't look like you or because she prioritizes different things than you. That's not fair. And it's not right either. It's not accurate. So if you can't tell by the cadence of my voice when I talk about this, I'm very passionate about it. I'm very passionate about women, especially because men do not deal with this. I have asked them. Mm -hmm. It's really not an issue for men, at least anecdotally, the ones that I've talked to, because that would be unfair to actually generalize all male experience by my own anecdotal evidence. (laughs) But what I'm saying is this is such a specifically female thing and doesn't have to be. And it's not so much like slam the patriarchy and we need to come together and all the things. Like, I think that that is actually true. But I also think that there's something different underneath it that we are missing out on the humanity of a woman that is sitting across from us or behind us in line or next to us in carpool or whatever it is, because we are othering them because of their different priorities that are visible. And that's just, we're missing out on so much that we can't care about the things that we actually personally care about. And so, yeah, I have a few thoughts on it. (laughs) (laughs) When we talk about women, we'll talk about moms. I think when you talk about mommy wars, any of this kind of stuff, it comes up in your own insecurities, right? In your own inability to be vulnerable, that like we need to judge them so that they're not judging us. Yes, exactly. And it actually reminds me, there was a tweet that went out on personal finance Twitter, which Twitter is like just a toxic place in my experience. But anyway, this guy tweeted that his kid asked why they couldn't have a fancy car like their neighbor. And so he said to his kid, well, they have debt or like they have a car loan. And he thought that was funny of like financially educating his kid. And I was so taken aback. Mm. No, the right answer to that for good financial learning for your child is they're prioritizing something different. Yeah, Maybe that family has debt. But you don't know their situation. Like, you don't know how much money they make or what they do. And so anytime that we're, like, making other people out to be bad because they're making other choices is just not helpful. It's not at all. And I think that if when someone does that to us, we're deeply offended. And rightly so. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you just said. Like, but you don't know me. And yet we do it so often. And it is a self-protective out of insecurity. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I feel so passionately about helping women, especially name what matters to them and sustain that, like make those things stay important for as long as they need to be important and give you like tools and systems to, because we still have to like do stuff. We still have to wash (laughs) clothes and be a person or whatever. And so we want to do those things, but to not be so exhausted by the work of holding all of these things that we think are supposed to matter. I want us to confidently, individually hold what matters to us and then cheer on every single person around us that is holding something different. Because Mm -hmm. when we're all holding different things well, everything still gets held. Everything gets attention because none of us can adequately give attention to everything that is required. So we sort of like pool our resources and do it together and then cheer each other on in that way. So I'm with you that we need a new language around priorities and Mm -hmm. what matters. I absolutely agree with that. So you have 13 principles in the book, The Lazy Genius Way, about organizing your life and figuring out what matters. And the first one being name what matters. Can you tell us another principle you think would be a good place for people to start? Well, I already mentioned start small. Mm -hmm. And that holds hands with any of the other principles because we, again, tend to make things like way too complicated and big when we get started. 
I would say, especially in terms of talking about money, I think that one thing that could be helpful, that has been helpful for me, is the principle of decide once. Mm. Deciding once is basically you decide one time what an answer to something is going to be, and then you don't really think about it again. So some very simple like daily examples of that are I have a Monday uniform, like I wear the same thing every Monday, and we eat some form of pasta every Monday. For every time we get an invitation to a kid's birthday party, that kid is getting a puzzle. That's the decide once. We don't have to think about it anymore. So there are lots of decisions that we all make that we can make one time. Mm -hmm. One of the things that is helpful to me is to decide once when it comes to money, where you're not wrestling with every single financial decision every, every, every single time. This is kind of a random one, but we decided once a few years ago when we borrowed a friend's beach house to go on vacation and it was not oceanfront. We had to get in a car to get to the beach mm-hmm. with our little kids. It just, it was too, there was less known. It was just like, we can't do this. And so we decided one time that we are going to have the vacation that gives us life that we don't regret taking, mm-hmm. that we don't need a vacation from when we come home, that we are going to do that and do it less often and just save until we have enough to have the vacation that we want. And then we don't have to really think about it again. You know, like, should we go on vacation this year? I don't really know. Like, no, we already decided. Yeah. I think that there are some really great ways that people can financially decide one time something that can impact their budget and daily life that kind of takes some of the overwhelm out of money. There are so many ways that we can do that. And we talk about it. Anything you can automate, Mm. honestly, decide once and then literally not have to even touch it. And so that can be savings. That can be investing to retirement. That could be paying down debt, whatever it is. And you can start super, super small. We can go back to that too, right? Because sometimes we think, well, I can't save $10,000 a year, so I just might as well write it off. It's like, start with $5 a paycheck that goes into your emergency fund savings automate it and just let it build up. And like maybe when you have more money, you can do $10 or $20, do that next. But yeah, we are all so decision fatigued. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The more decisions we could take off the table is honestly in that it comes back to two habits. Hmm. We have our weekly family money budget meeting on Friday nights. Like we put the boys in bed and we sit down, we open YNAB and we talk through our budget. And we don't have to decide what day it is. We don't have to decide when we're going to do it. It's like, that is just when it gets done. And maybe in a different season of our lives, we'll actually have something to do on Friday night. But right now, we don't. And so we do our budget. (laughs) We'll lean into it. It's fine. (laughs) But yes, automating, making a decision once is a game changer. I want to talk about what is possibly my favorite part of your book and that strategy. But before we do, let's take a quick pause to hear from our sponsors who help make the Smart Money Mama show possible. Whether you're building an emergency fund, paying off debt, or saving for that special vacation, every little bit counts, which is why I love to use Ibotta, a free cashback app that lets you easily earn actual cash rewards, not points or mysterious codes, on almost all of the things you buy. Groceries, household items, school and office supplies, furniture, restaurants, clothes, diapers, and so much more. Don't you want to save on purchases you're already making and put that extra cash towards your goals? I know you do. So download the Ibotta app or add the Chrome extension to your browser. And don't forget to use the code MAMA2020, that's M-A-M-A 2020, when you create your free account, because Ibotta is offering Smart Money Mama's listeners an exclusive $20 cash welcome bonus to supercharge your savings. Don't leave money on the table, Mama. Start using Ibotta today. There's another principle in your book, which was one of my favorite parts, actually, about what can I do now to make something in the future easier? I'm misphrasing it there. No, you were almost there. The magic question is what it's called. The magic question. Ask the magic question. That's another principle. And the magic question is, what can I do now to make life easier later? Take the word life. If you're like, life, what do you mean? The meaning of life? Like, it's so complicated. You can change that word. What can I do now to make, like you said, looking at my budget easier later. I can pick a regular day that I'm going to look at it. What can I do now to make entering receipts easier later? I have one place that I put them when I come home and it's not my purse and in the car and all the different things. There's one place for it. What can I do now to make dinner easier later? I can pull the chicken out of the freezer. Like there are just so many things that you can do now. One thing to make something easier later 
And I think that that is such a powerful question anytime, but especially for things that we procrastinate. And I am so grateful for what you do because I personally have never had a super great relationship with money. We grew up pretty poor. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but there was a tension around money because there wasn't a lot of it. You know, we only took a couple of vacations. And when we did, we got to eat out one time. I was actually talking to a friend the other day because whenever I go out to eat, I pretty much order like similar things. I'm sort of like a classic dish kind of person. And I thought it's just because I was like boring. But I actually think it's because we went out so infrequently that I didn't want to be disappointed with what I chose. So I was going to choose something that was like, well, nobody really messes up spaghetti and meatballs. Nobody really messes up lasagna or meatloaf or whatever the case may be. Nobody messes up chocolate cake. Like even a bad chocolate cake is still a pretty good chocolate cake. It's still chocolate cake. And so I grew up with that. And then when I got married, very young, my husband and I were both in college. And so we didn't have jobs. And so we didn't have a lot of money. And kind of going through that and then just the transitioning into having kids and more expenses and all these things like and not having been taught about all of these different mm-hmm. money buzzwords and stuff. So I say all that to say the topic of money and budgeting and spending, magic questioning it is so helpful because if it's something that you really don't look forward to for whatever reason, it's something you procrastinate. It's like, just do one thing to make it easier later, just so you'll get there. Because we just want to get there and just like have the conversation, enter the numbers, whatever it is we're doing. It is interesting to me how many of us have money stories about going out to eat and that like lead into adulthood. So we had Glennon Doyle speak at the Mama's Talk Money Summit this year. And she was like, I still can't get to a point where I'm like an appetizer person. Like yeah, one of my kids same. or Abby <laughs> tries to order appetizers and I'm like, who do you think we are? <laughs> exactly. We're not the Rockefellers. That's what was always said at our table. was like, we're not the Rockefellers. Like you could choose on a day that we had extra. It was like, and even now it feels this way. Your choices are a drink that's not water, yep. an appetizer or dessert. And that was like even for the whole family. Yeah. And most of the time we went out, it was none of those things. Like it's the exact same thing. I remember... The first year that my husband and I were married and someone gave us a gift card to a really fancy restaurant in our town and we went for our anniversary Mm -hmm. and he did not grow up in the same way that I did, like where there was a lot of scarcity, like it wasn't Scrooge McDuck. He wasn't like rolling (laughs) in money or anything, but it was a different relationship to money. We had dinner and we had like so much money left on the gift card and I was like, we can come back. And he goes, oh, well, let's order dessert. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, I was like hemming and hawing. (laughs) And then he said, which one do you want? Just pick one. And I was like, okay. And I couldn't pick because I wanted all of them. And he said, let's order the whole dessert menu. And I was like, you are an insane person. (laughs) Like I was like, what recklessness is this? But I tell you what, like I also, we did, did. we we did it. We ordered the entire dessert menu. It was almost, how many years have I been married? A long time, like 17, I think. And it's still one of our favorite memories. And it was from 17 years ago because it was so different and special and we laughed and we were like what are we even doing like this is the craziest thing like so I think sometimes not saying that we need to be like frivolous with money or whatever obviously but I think there is something really beautiful about keeping the humanity in our money Mm -hmm. keeping like those decisions like especially when they're rooted in something like you just said like growing up and we all have eating out stories like to sort of give ourselves permission when the funds are there and the desire is there and you know like all those assets sort of line up where you're like yeah, let's do it. Let's order the whole dessert. I mean, it was a gift card anyway. It wasn't our act. It was like fake money. It was like monopoly money. Like it didn't matter. <laughs> but it was still hard to spend. And that's like- It was so hard to spend. That scarcity thing is, it's hard. Yeah, it is. It cracks me up when that happens. And we talk about like budgeting being a permission to spend too, right? When you can set mm. that money aside and be like, now it's here to use. But learning yeah. that your money is a means to an end and not an end in itself, I think, especially when you haven't had money in the bank growing up, when you see it there, you're yeah. afraid to let it go, right? You let it do anything else. Yes. But I love that step of what to do. We actually started the snack platter thing. Do you want to tell people the snack platter story? Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. So I was going to say when kids come home from school, which for us is <laughs> not ever right now because everyone's home, which is fine. I want us to stay healthy. But when we would come home from school, 
it was just like everybody's after school. It's just absolute chaos. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants different snacks and like blah, blah, blah. And so one day I pulled out like a big, it was actually a broken cake stand. Like the bottom had broken <laughs> off of it, but it was like fluted and pretty or whatever. And so I pulled it out and I just opened the fridge in the pantry and I just threw crap on there. I was like, I don't know what we have. And I lined it up like little pie pieces or whatever. Yeah. And I put it on the table and you would have thought that I had just told everyone we were going to Disney World, like we were going to live at Disney World. They thought it was the <laughs> coolest thing ever. And I was like, they were like, what is this? And I had to go, it's a snack platter. Like, I came up there really, like really quickly and awkwardly. And it became this thing, like you said earlier about there's so many decisions. It was almost this like really beautiful way of presenting limited decisions to my kids about a need they really had. Like they were hungry, but they also wanted to sit together. Mm -hmm. You know, like there was like a family connection aspect. I don't think that they knew with their words to say, but intuitively it's like, we need to be together. We've all been apart. We just need to like detox. And so I put it on Instagram and everyone was like, <gasps> so I still get tagged in pictures of snack platters constantly <laughs> because it can be anything you need it to be. Like it could be two things, mm -hmm. but it's still on a platter that everybody shares. And it's just a really lovely way to use up like food that's going bad. And like, um, not that you're serving rotten food to your children, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's like- Food safety, everybody. Foods, yeah, food safety. Yes, please. But it's like strawberries that are on their last leg, but it's not enough to like put in somebody's lunch or I don't know, whatever. It's it's just a really fantastic thing that we've done. And I love that you made a snack platter. I love it. So we have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, boys. Okay. They eat constantly. Yes, they do. But lunch is always this battle. They want lunch at different times. They want different things. I read the book and I was like, okay, we're letting this go. And so around 10 o'clock, I like make a snack platter yes. and we put pieces of peanut butter and jelly sandwich and whatever on it. And we just put it on the kitchen table and we tell the boys, as long as you're sitting at the table, mm. you can go eat when you're hungry. Nice. And so from like 10 to 2, it's there. And then we don't have to worry about lunch. We don't have to worry about arguing about snacks. Oh gosh, the two-year-old trying to break the child lock to get into the refrigerator. <laughs> Where are my <laughs> cheeses? Like freaking out. I know. Completely freaking. It's such a relaxing thing for all of us. And it's oh, less so dishes glad. because. Yeah, for real. How many times do I make snacks in that four-hour period otherwise? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's also, I feel like the snack platter is like a weird analogy for life <laughs> that we tend to kind of overcomplicate things. Like you said, you're making two different snacks and two different lunches for the people and you have all these dishes and it takes so much time when really if you just kind of consolidate all of those assets into one place and then you trust your kids and give them permission, give them limits and parameters and you're like, here you go. You're going to really enjoy yourself now. Like go forth. There's something really beautifully empowering to me about not that a snack platter has to be like some magical like emotional, emotional thing. Magical thing. But I do think that there is something really enlightening to me about stuff like that. That because you, you just said like it changes the day, mm -hmm. it changes the mood, it changes your well, I won't speak for you. It will change my resentment towards my kids. I don't resent my kids for needing me to feed them for four straight hours mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, I figured out this thing that can and so it sort of shows that not everything has to be complicated in order to work. I think that's one of the things, again, I think is so great about what you're doing is like you're teaching us that money doesn't have to be as complicated as we think it is yeah. in order for it to serve us and work for us, which is such a gift. And it's so often the little changes, right? We go back to that start small, right? And I can give you an example. This is actually not from your book. It's from another friend of mine who we used to fill the dishwasher all day and then we'd run it overnight while we were sleeping. And she has this thing and she's like, run it right after dinner and put it away, unload it before you go to bed. And she's like, and then it's empty for the next day. And now you don't have to worry about like, what are you doing with the dishes? Like, are you trying to unload it while the kids are having breakfast and whatever? And so we made this one shift. All it takes is like the 10 minutes at night before we put the dishes away before we get in bed. And it's amazing. Breakfast time is so much less stressful and cleaning the kitchen clean is so much easier. But it was such a minor shift. And it comes that yeah. way with our money all the time too, right? Like finding a system that works for you and really fitting it into your own personality, it's just a small change can make everything flow more easily. Which we don't think is real. Yeah. You know, when we hear that, like anytime I'm like, yeah, just start small. And they're like, no, <laughs> small does not work. And I get that, that there's this pressure that, yeah, in order for something to work, it has to be like really a big, complicated machine. Mm -hmm. But if you start with a big, complicated machine, 
even a metaphorical machine, you spend so much time managing the machine rather than actually moving forward. Like the machine doesn't move you anywhere. And so I love that. It's like you can make tiny, tiny, tiny changes. One small change that has really, really helped us just from a mental perspective. A friend of mine is a home blogger, the nester. And she has this rule. I think it's fantastic. She does not buy anything for her house that is smaller than a pineapple. Nothing decorative that's smaller than a pineapple. Because she's like, all the tiny little things kind of clutter up and they don't do what you want them to do. And then they cost a lot of money because you're buying a lot of little things. And so she just has a rule when she's shopping that if something is smaller than a pineapple, she doesn't buy it. Even if it's cute, because so often it's cute. It's so many times it's cute. But what do we do with those cute things? We bring them home and we're like, where mm-hmm. do I put this cute thing? And then you have, you have to store the cute thing and clean the cute thing. And, and then it, it ends up in a big black garbage bag. It 100% <laughs> does. So much big black garbage bag energy throughout the Lazy Genius way. So I just think that it's not that you have to be like, I'm only going to spend this amount of money on home decor and you have to have the line item and all the things. Like just a mental shift around something like that, that you can remember, that doesn't feel really rigid, that's really small and actionable right away. It makes such a bigger difference than having like the elaborate spreadsheet. You forget how to work Yeah, three weeks later. Do you make your bed in the morning? No. I'm looking at it right now. It is never made, ever. This is one of those things that I have fought so hard as a small thing of like, there's no way this makes a difference. Except (laughs) when we make our bed, it makes all the difference the whole day. And so now we're back in a habit of making our bed in the morning. But it was one of those small things that for the longest time, people would say that like, oh, it makes a really big difference. And I would just be like, no, there's just, I'm not believing it. (laughs) And here's the thing. I love that you just said that because- I am so glad that making your bed every morning makes a difference to you. It doesn't make a difference to me. Mm -hmm. I think maybe because I don't have extra pillows, we just have the one thing. I mean, it's pulled up, but it's not like made and pretty. No one's going to want to take a picture of it and put it in a magazine. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't bother me or not even bother. Like, it just doesn't matter. Let's clarify. Okay, making our bed means pulling the blankets up Uh and like putting the pillows on the bed. We're not like hospital cornering the bed, (laughs) but we live in a pretty small house. And the boys like to go jump on the bed. And Uh so when it's not made, then we're in there several times a day. And so in a different season of our life, maybe it would make a difference. But right now, it makes a really big difference. Absolutely. And that is the thing that is so beautiful about, I hope this gives you freedom, that you, if you want to make your bed every morning, make your bed. If you don't, don't. Like, it doesn't have to be a moral issue. Making your bed is not a moral issue. (laughs) You don't have to judge yourself against other humans about it. Like, it doesn't matter. Unless it does. Buying things smaller than a pineapple, not a moral issue. (laughs) Not a moral issue. Exactly. It's you choose naming what matters to you and then making choices to support that and being confident in that and then allowing other people, particularly other women and other moms, to do the same in their own lives without it being a referendum on your own choices. We don't have to use other people's choices as a gauge of our own. You get to make your own choices. All right, Kendra, we got to ask about money. Okay. What does your money management system look like in your house? Oh my gosh. It's not a great one, Chelsea. It's not. Actually, (laughs) I'm not going to make myself feel bad about that. Yeah. So work in progress. I used to use the daily budget app, Okay. which I really, really loved. It took out your fixed expenses Mm -hmm. and then it spread out the amount of money that was left over as an amount of cash every single day. Having line items, having categories for budgets is really stressful to me. Okay. Because sometimes we have people over, not anymore, but like when we would have maybe a couple of big gatherings or something, and so we would spend more on food. It's sort of like the categorical management of money was really difficult because I can make choices to save money in any category I want. Instead of buying clothes for the kids at Target, we can go to the thrift store. Instead of buying things just at one grocery store to save my sanity, maybe I'll go to three different and shop the sales. Like I can adjust my life Mm -hmm. to save money in different areas if the need arises. But keeping that up every single day, kind of that categorical line item, made me back up completely and not even pay attention at all. And so maybe that's actually my money management system is just paying attention to the bottom line. Mm-hmm. We have, in terms of savings, we use, I don't know if this is okay. Sometimes I get nervous talking around like money experts. You're okay. I'm not judging. I know. You're a safe place. I already <laughs> can tell. We use Capital One 360 accounts, mm-hmm. funnels, and like seeing it in different buckets really helps me. Mm-hmm. And then I just watch our like checking account. We have sort of like a number that it's like we want it to stay around here. Mm-hmm. And if it starts to go down, then I'm like, okay, it's time to look at some food flyers. 
and shop some sales. And I'm not going to buy that book this month. (laughs) And I'm going to go to the library. And so it's really just more paying attention to the overall financial picture Mm -hmm. rather than getting there by managing each of those categories as we're going. It's sort of adjusting the... Yeah, so more of the bucket system. And so this can be great. And if like you're automating your savings, it's already going into the place that it needs to be. You have your fixed expenses covered and then the rest is left to do what you want with. That works really well for some families. And it can be a really, really good system. I am a line item budgeter, but, and everyone who listens to this podcast knows this, I have a real problem with how we think about line item budgeting and the fact mm-hmm. that people think that they are going to write it once. And then if they like have to move money from one category to another category, they've done it wrong and they've broken it. Mm-hmm. Your budget 100% has to be a living thing. Mm-hmm. If you have people over and you want to move money from birthday gifts to food so that you can have those people over, fantastic. Like Just make sure that you're staying within the overall bounds of are you reaching your goals right? and covering the expenses you need to cover. So everybody's system. That's so interesting. Are you guys working towards any money goals right now or business goals maybe? We just came off of one, which was painting the outside of our house and getting landscaping done. Okay. Do you have time for a story? I have time for a story. Okay. So when we came to buy our house, you know, usually when you make an appointment to see a house, the owner is not there, right? You just mm-hmm. go in with your realtor. Well, we got the key out of the little lockbox and go in and the house had had the same owner for 40 some plus years. And we walk in and it was really dark and his wife had passed and mm-hmm. she was the one who sort of took care of everything. And so a lot of things had just kind of gone, including the yard, which one thing I'm lazy about is green things. <laughs> I just want somebody to do it for me. <laughs> the easiest low maintenance plants ever. And then maybe I turn on a sprinkler occasionally and that's all I have to do. But when we walked in the house and we were like, okay, we can, we like house bones, you know, mm-hmm. like we can really make this something. And we turn the corner and there is a man sitting in this dark room on a couch, there's one light bulb above him, like interrogation room style. <laughs> and on a table in front of him is a jug of water, a jug of wine. I did not know wine even came in jugs, but it was a jug of wine. And then an ashtray that looked like he was on a stakeout, like so many cigarette butts, <laughs> like he'd been sitting there in one place, and a hunting knife. Like all these things lined up in front of him. And I was like, I feel like we're not in the right way. And we turned the corner and we're like, hello. And he goes, welcome to my home. And he showed us around the house. And it was like this whole thing. He was from Hungary and he was so excited that a family was going to move into this house. It had been, it was this like whole thing, Chelsea. It was the funniest (laughs) situation where I was like, I think we're terrified. I was like, we're going to die here. This is where we're going to die in this house that we don't actually get to buy. And he actually came later to see the house after we had fixed it up or whatever. And he was so proud. It was the sweetest thing. All that to say, we just finished saving up thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to completely redo the exterior of the house. And it's like, it reflects the inside. It feels like home. When I pull into the driveway, it makes me happy. I didn't used to feel happy until I walked in the house. Now I feel happy when I see it from afar. I just love it so much. It was absolutely worth not spending money on other things for a little while so that we could have that. But now we don't have a financial goal in front of us. Well, congratulations on reaching that big goal. Yeah, it was very exciting. And now you get to do the fun process of what are we doing next? I know what we're going to do next. I don't know. <laughs> Go stay at a house on the oceanfront beach, apparently, because that's apparently what that's what you need to, when COVID is over. <laughs> I know. Kendra and her family's travel into the beach. Going. No walking to the ocean. We are we go to the beach like rich people. We do not walk to the ocean. You'll have so much fun, though. Oh, my gosh. What last pieces of advice do you have for mamas out there trying to lazy genius their lives? You're doing great. I think that we are so hard on ourselves mm. that we are always our hardest critics. We can always find something wrong with what we're doing, with the choices that we're making, that we're not managing it well enough. And I think right now, I don't know exactly when this particular episode will go out, but I will assume that we are still in a pandemic. So I'm going to say that one of the biggest freedoms that I have experienced over the last few months is when someone named for me that we are living in trauma. Like Mm. this is traumatic. And we are expecting, because we've been doing this for so many months, 
we are expecting that we're supposed to have it figured out by now, that we are supposed to sort of have this online school thing done, or we're managing our time or managing all the humans that are in our house all the time. We're supposed to be good at this now. Mm -hmm. And I just want to give permission to everyone listening that like, there is really no such thing as being good at this now, because what's happening is it feels like a very weird kind of Groundhog Day, where every day feels the same, and yet every day is still also very different, because you're working with all these unseen variables. Mm -hmm. And so just to remember that you are trying to live through and manage life in a traumatic time and your energy is depleting every day. Every single day, you have fewer resources to do a harder job. So just to remember that like, you're really doing really, really great. Do your kids know that you love them? Great. Did you give them some form of sustenance at some point today? Great. I want to implore us all to be so much kinder to ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's one of the principles in the book, actually, yeah. is to be kind to yourself, like to remember that you are a person who matters in this equation and that it is okay that this is really hard some days. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means it's hard. It's just hard. Yeah. And that's okay. We're all doing the best that we can with what we've got. And I want to honor that effort in all the people listening. That's beautiful. I love that. Kendra, before we let you go, we have to do one more thing. We have to have you try on the Smart Money Mama's sorting hat. So the sorting (gasps) hat is our version of the hot seat where the magical hat asks something about you. Are you ready? Can't wait. I'm so ready. I love stuff like this. Okay. You get the whole weekend entirely to yourself. What are you going to do with your time? I get takeout and I read. That's all I do. Maybe take a walk. What kind of takeout? My ideal would be I get to be in my own house where no one is here. Okay. And so I am going to get the Nicoletta sandwich from an Italian bakery. They make their own cured meats and mozzarella and stuff like that. They say mozzarella. Like that's how authentic (laughs) it is. I would get sushi. I would get things I can't make for myself. Yeah. And I would get all those things and I would get books. And I would not take a shower and I would maybe just take walks and re- like, that's all I would do is I would just sit and read. That sounds perfect. It does sound perfect. I'm really sad. I can't do it right now. <laughs> I'm sorry to put that in your head. Now no, you need to fine. plan a weekend. I was going to say, that's my next financial goal is a weekend where I can send my family away so I can be home by myself and eat takeout and read. I'm so excited. That's awesome. Kendra, where can people find out more about the Lazy Genius and buy your book? Everything I do is the lazy genius something. So you can get the lazy genius way anywhere that you get books. I really think that you should read it. Like, I don't need you to buy it. You can get it from the library. But I truly believe because I've seen it happen. I've heard it happen from literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women who have messaged me over the last couple of months that this is a life-changing book. It really, really is in these small, small ways. It just gives you language Mm -hmm. for how to relax into a life that matters to you. So I would highly recommend that you get your hands on it in some way. And then I am primarily on Instagram at The Lazy Genius. And then I have a podcast called the Lazy Genius Podcast. Again, if you just Google Lazy Genius, they're all right there. Everything is the Lazy Genius something. I'm like chicken soup for the soul, except the Lazy Genius everything. Perfect. That makes it easy. Kendra, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your method and some of your story. This has been fantastic. I'm so happy. And I can't wait for us to have a book conversation. Yes. I can't wait. (laughs) We're going to have so much fun. Thanks for having me, Chelsea. Okay, I hope you loved that episode as much as I did, mamas. Kendra's Lazy Genius Philosophy caring and having it together on what matters and giving yourself permission to not worry about what doesn't matter to you is so powerful. And it aligns really well on how we think about our money and our spending, right? Not just how we prioritize our money, but also how if we can prioritize what matters to us in organizing our lives, we'll actually have more energy to bring to handling our money and our goals. I highly recommend grabbing Kendra's book, The Lazy Genius Way. It was such a great read. I found myself actually reading multiple passages out loud to my husband as we're currently working on revamping some of our own priorities about what matters to us at home and with organization, especially because we're here so much during the pandemic. As always, I've wrapped up my three favorite takeaways from this chat with Kendra for you to bring into your mom and money life. First, you only have to be a genius about what matters to you. Kendra ranting about how we've gone from expecting people to be perfect to judging people who appear to have it together or somehow seem better than us 
was so true. I love to get guests ranting, by the way. It's always a good time. We don't have to care about everything and run ourselves ragged as perfectionists. It's not going to work. But we also don't have to care about absolutely nothing and live as a constant hot mess to be seen as real and authentic. You decide what matters to you and commit time to that. Lean into your genius in those areas. For the things that don't matter to you, find a lazy solution and move on. But then the hardest part is being confident in those choices. Know that you've handled the things that matter to you, and another mom prioritizing other things doesn't mean she's wrong or that you're lacking. You just have other priorities, and that's okay. Second, embrace opportunities to decide once and stop stressing over it. I love automating when it comes to your money. I love it when it comes to ordering pantry and household goods that I otherwise forget about and then have to run to the store. I don't know. Why I've never really contemplated bringing into other areas of my life in the way Kendra explains. Her examples of choosing one type of birthday party gift and making decisions about vacation and sticking to them are so, so good. But my favorite has to be her Monday outfit. If you've got a tough day of the week for you, maybe a day when you end up spending extra money because you're stressed or where you spend the whole day frustrated and in a funk, think about what decisions you can make to relieve some of the pressure on that day. Maybe it's a standard outfit. Maybe it's a standard meal. Or maybe that's the day of the week you do takeout. Look for opportunities to reduce unnecessary decisions. We're all struggling with decision fatigue. Take some of those repetitive questions off the table. Which brings us actually super nicely to our final big takeaway, which is ask yourself the magic question. What can I do now to make things easier later? Kendra shared how often we fight the idea that small steps can make a big difference. We think we have to go big, create complex systems or routines to make our lives easier. But instead, what if you started small and asked the magic question? Would your morning routine with your kids be easier if you laid out their clothes the night before? If you put your coffee mug next to the coffee pot? What if when you're chopping onions, you chop enough for the recipe you're making tomorrow night too? These little things take just moments to do, but they can make all the difference when things start to get a little crazy, as they do. And this concept absolutely applies to your money. Can I set aside a little money each month starting now so when that big auto insurance bill comes, I'm ready for it? Can I create an easy place to put my receipts so it's faster and easier to update my budget when the time comes? Keep asking the magic question and looking for those opportunities to make things easier on yourself. Maybe you don't do them all the time, like the snack platter Kendra talked about. But by getting in the practice of asking the question, you'll end up with less stressful, overwhelmed moments overall. And that's a beautiful thing. You've got this. Mamas, I want to thank Kendra again for coming on the show and sharing her story. You can find the links to visit her site, The Lazy Genius Collective, and her book, The Lazy Genius Way, in the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Kendra. You can also head there to download your free family money values template. That way you can get clear on what matters most to you as a family and learn how to be a genius in those areas of your finances. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Tag Kendra and I on Instagram to share what you learned. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next time.